The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. Today we're talking about the areas of your life that need this rebuilding. Uh, It might be your marriage that needs rebuilding. It might be your relationship with God. Maybe it's your finances that need rebuilding. Maybe you need rebuilding uh, emotionally or rebuilding in your career. Whatever it is that needs rebuilding, today God wants you to know that he wants to help you. He wants to help you rebuild your life. Uh, But uh, here's the footnote. You know, God's a master architect and he has a plan for your life. The question is, do do you want to build it by his plan or do you want to kind of go by your own design? Have you ever seen one of those funky houses where people like started doing their own remodels and stuff and, and, uh, you can tell they didn't consult anyone, uh, and, and you drive by the house and you kind of think, wow, that's a weird place for a door and a window. And, uh, you know, we can try to rebuild in our lives, uh, but God has, He has the best plan for your life. And I don't know what kind of challenges or difficulties you might be facing, but he has a good plan to see you through them. One of the difficulties that my young family faced this last year was the difficulty of potty training. Those two little words, they sound so clean and innocent and simple, but let me tell you, they're dirty, <laughs> and they require endurance. You have to stick in there, especially, I think, if you have a boy. They say boys aren't as fast as this as girls are. But, uh, you know, we finally, it's been a journey all year, and, and recently uh, we have achieved victory with potty training our oldest. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a milestone. And here's the really funny thing. Um, you know, uh, for whatever reason, there was this kind of fear there. It was a little uncomfortable. Uh, you know, the diapers, you know, been on there forever. It's what you're used to. It's what you're comfortable with. And so I was like, okay, babe, uh, Mel, we gotta, we gotta go with positive motivation here. So we had, I had spoken at something in California, uh, where the people I spoke at, they were like, hey, you know, thanks for your time. Uh, to thank you, we want to give you these, uh, free passes for your family to go to, Disneyland. So I was like, sweet score, right? And so I told Jack, you know, hey, if um, once you, you know, can go on the potty consistently, um, we could go to Disneyland. And uh, I also told him, I mean, we pulled out all the stops, you know, candy corn, Skittles, Matchbox cars, his ultimate favorite. Uh, And here's the really great thing. Once he got this thing down, and we were like, okay, buddy, so do you want to go to Disneyland or do you want to go to preschool or do you want some Matchbox cars? <laughs> he wanted the Matchbox cars. <laughs> so I gladly blessed him as a dad, you know, because that's great. We don't have to, you know, drive all the way over there. And, and uh, But, you know, as a dad, I, I want to bless my son. I, I love him. I want the very best for him. And, and all of you who are parents, you know that feeling. I mean, you just, you love your kids. You want to bless them. But sometimes blessing them is not what they want, right? Uh, Jack's idea of the blessed life would have been uh, to just get to wear diapers for the rest of his life because it was comfortable and it was pretty easy for him. It worked out well. He liked it, right? And sometimes our idea of a blessed life 
we think it is the perfect plan. And we don't realize that it's the spiritual equivalent of, of wearing diapers. And we have a heavenly father who actually loves us enough to say, hey, it might be uncomfortable for you. It might be a little scary for you. But if you'll trust me, if you'll obey me, my success for your life is better than your plan. My plan for your life is better than your plan. My blessing for your life is better than the blessing that you want and that you seek. I want you to realize today that God wants to bless you. Now, that's by his definition, okay? It doesn't mean that, that you'll be flying around in a private jet and, you know, having multiple homes. or You know, those are American standards of blessing. But God, by his standard, does want to bless you. In fact, this is so important that I want you guys to say it out loud with me because some of us, we just, we don't think that God actually wants to bless us by his definition of blessing. So will you say out loud with me, God wants to bless me. Say it. God wants to bless me. Now, now turn to your neighbor and tell him, God wants to bless you. Do you, you guys remember when Satan came to Eve in the Garden of Eden? Remember, God created a perfect world. There was no cancer. There was no death. There was no divorce. There was no murder. Everything was great. Eternal life, organic fruit everywhere. Life was awesome. You could walk and talk with God. Things were perfect. And then Satan came to Eve, and what did he say? He said, God doesn't really have your best in mind. God's not looking out for you. So Eve, you need to look out for yourself. And you know what? Some of us, we, we have memorized scripture. We've gone to church hundreds of times. We know all these things about God, but we've still fallen for this lie that God doesn't really want the best for us. And we need to look out for ourselves. And so we're walking around in these diapers and it's messy. And it's stinky. Satan respins this lie. The original lie that he told to Eve, he tells it to you. And he wants you to think God's not looking out for you. He wants you to think God doesn't have a good plan for you. He wants you to think you need to take control of your life. God doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm here today to tell you that that's, that's a lie from hell. God wants to bless you by his definition. He wants to give you spiritual success. He wants to prosper you by his definition. So, you know, Jack's idea of a blessing would have been to get to wear diapers his whole life. My idea of a blessing, I can confidently say, is better, right? I mean, he, he does not want to show up to a job interview in 20 years wearing a pull-up, even if it does have Lightning McQueen on it, right? I mean, my idea of blessing for him is better than his. And, and just as much, even more, God's idea of blessing you is way better than your idea of blessing you. I'll give you just a couple more examples of this. Jack loves snakes right now. Uh, and, and, and he loves them so much that if he ever sees one, he wants to touch it. Uh, he thinks they're all friendly. And so I have to tell him, you know, Jack, you know, because I love you, because I want blessing on your life and protection, if you see a snake, come tell a grown-up first, you know? We gotta see what kind of, what kind of creature this is, you know? Am I crushing his inner zookeeper? You know, am I, am I just destroying his future? No, I'm telling him that because I love him. I want the very, very best for him. And when God says to you, don't do this, 
do this. He's telling you that because he loves you. So I'm telling you today, when God's word says, here's what to do with your finances, he's telling you that because he wants to bless you. When he says, here's what to do with your sexuality, with those desires, he's telling you that because he wants you to be the most fulfilled and the safest and the healthiest that you can be. When he says, here's how to do your marriage, here's how to be part of a church and actually commit and serve, he's not telling you that because he wants you to miss out in life. He's telling you that because he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you with things that you know people who have it all financially cannot buy. Peace, joy, inner contentment. He wants to give you these things as you live your life according to his plans. You see, God gives success to those who admit they need it and commit to his plans. That's the first point on your outline. God gives success to those who admit they need it. In other words, you say, God, I need your help in my life. I need your strength in my life. And to those who commit to his plan. God, I'm committed to living this life your way, not my way. And God, I need your help to help me do that. We're going to see this is the kind of life that Nehemiah lived. He outright says, God, give success to the hands of your servant. He prays this over and over in the book of Nehemiah, and God answers the prayer. So what did Nehemiah do that when we say, God, give me the, give me the promotion, give me the $50,000 year end bonus. What did Nehemiah do that that we don't do. Well, here's the main thing. We often want God to just give success and blessing to our plans. Nehemiah did something very different. He aligned himself with God's plans. And he said, God, as I go about your work and your plan, will you give success to the hands of your servant? And we'll see that God answers that prayer. But very often we kind of just say, God, you know, if you give me my way, then you're blessing me. And if you don't give me my way, then you're not blessing me. And God says to you this morning, the way that I said to Jack as a three-year-old, no, no, from my point of view, let me tell you, it's better off if you do this. It might not be comfortable. It might even be scary, but trust me, my way is better. And God says to you, that's what true blessing is, 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 is follow my way for your life. So Nehemiah chapter one, if you want to look at verse 11, Nehemiah prays this prayer and he says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Here's what I want to point out. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of the king. He's about to go to King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, uh, still a well-known figure in history, a world ruler who Nehemiah worked for. Uh, Nehemiah, uh, by, by nature of his job as a cupbearer, that means that King Artaxerxes, of everyone in his kingdom, he trusted Nehemiah. He valued Nehemiah because this, this is a job that literally saves the king's life, right? And, and it's one that the king, you know, they, they don't just assign some slave to it because they want to know someone's not going to be in on some scheme, right? To like, oh yeah, it's good. There you go, drink that one, you know? Uh, they want someone trustworthy who knows that the king is not going to be poisoned. So Nehemiah is in this position of respect, a position of affluence. He's living in the king's palace. Um, I guess he had a pretty good pension, 
probably the best kind of health insurance you could get at the time. Uh, the king's own physician, the king's own chefs, everything that the king had was available to him as um, essentially the, the cupbearer for the king. So Nehemiah himself had this comfortable life, but he, he, he starts by asking a question, and that's step one. When you want to rebuild in your life, what's step one? It's to realize what's broken down. How? By asking God to show you what is broken and needs rebuilding. Hey, do, you, do you ever take the time, and in this series we are taking the time, to just stop and ask God, God, what's broken down in my life? We see Nehemiah do this at the beginning of the chapter. In verse 2, some of Nehemiah's friends and relatives come to him. Now, Jerusalem, the Jewish people, the people of God, um, they've been pretty much demolished at this point. Their city was demolished, their kingdom was demolished, and they've been scattered. There's about 2 million Jews living at this time, but they're scattered all over Persia, all over the ancient Near East. Uh, they're exiles. Some of them are slaves. Uh, they, they are, I mean, they've been sacked and looted. You know, they don't have much and, and they're just trying to survive. And, and so a lot of the other Jewish people are, I mean, it's a, it's a hand to mouth kind of existence. They're just trying to get enough food for today. Here's Nehemiah in a little more comfortable position. And some of his relatives and friends come to him and he says, hey, how are God's people? How's God's work? How's God's city of Jerusalem? And here's what they say in verse three. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So, so before we keep going in the chapter, I think about, I mean, Nehemiah takes the time to ask. He, he takes the time to think about God's priorities. And this morning, as you begin to rebuild, you may already know from last week, or even just this morning, as far as we've talked, you already know, it's my marriage that needs rebuilding. I mean, we're just two strangers living in the same house. Or it's my finances that need rebuilding. They're in rough shape or it's it's our it's our parenting that needs rebuilding or it's my relationship with god maybe you already know uh, whether you know that or not right now is a time that we just ask and say god you know where where is it that you want me to rebuild and you know what that shows it shows a humility it's like a it's like a child coming to a parent and and saying hey is there anything i can do to help <laughs> isn't that a great and rare moment you come to God and you, and you say, God, you know, how are things? Are, are there areas of my life that are broken down? Nehemiah was kind of living out what Jesus talked about in Matthew 6.33 when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. And Jesus outright says, the pagans... They seek first their own pleasure, their own comfort, their own clothes, their own food, their own home. That's their number one priority. Jesus says, make your number one priority saying, God, what are you doing today? How are your people? How do you want to use me? I'm here to serve. I want to be part of your purposes. And Jesus says, when you do that, everything else will be added to you. Well, Nehemiah essentially did that. He sought first the kingdom of God because Nehemiah had his own pretty good kingdom thing going, right? Very comfortable life. 
And he could have just grown old and fat. You know, I bet Nehemiah was overweight. I just realized that. He had to, he had to take a bite of everything the king ate, right? And these kings were like gluttons. This might have been a big dude. I'm just sorry. We're going, we're going deep today. So here's Nehemiah. He could have just lived for his own pleasure. He says, God, I, I want to put your people and your work first. What do you want me to do? Where are things broken down? So how about you? In your personal life, do you care enough to ask God, God, is there anything between us? God, is there anything between us? If there is, would you show me? Because, Lord, I, I really, I don't want anything between us. God, show me where my life is broken down. I have the humility to assume that there are areas of my life that are broken down at, at all times. And so, Lord, I'm going to come to you humbly and say, would you show me those areas that are broken down? Would you show me, Lord, anything that's between you and me? You're going to find those answers as you seek God for him. Seek him and you'll find him if you search with your heart. You'll also find those answers as you're in God's word, which you are right now. So congratulations. Keep doing this every week. And get, if you don't have a good study Bible, stop by the church office sometime. We have dozens of them. I love giving away good study Bibles. It's such a tool for you to be able to get into God's word. Because then, um, you know, kids have these little games where it's like, here's two tractors that look the same. What's different? You know, and one's like missing a headlight and one has extra tread on the tires. And I don't really get into them or anything, but uh, anyhow... God's word, God's word is, is a tool like that for you. you. You open it up and you open up your heart and you say, okay, what's different? Where do I need to change? Where, where do I need to line up with you? And that's part of how we get under God's blessing practically in our lives. Psalm chapter one says this, uh, blessed, blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, you're not looking for your approval and advice from this world system but the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. He bears his fruit in his season. His leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. Why is this person blessed and prosperous? Because this person is rooted in the word of God and is constantly saying, okay, God, your plan for my life, not my plan, your plan for my life. So Nehemiah asked, and then next on your outline, he acted. He acted. When others accepted those broken walls as final and fatal, Nehemiah moved into action. How did he move into action? He was confident in God's power. He was confident, hey, if God wants to rebuild his city for his people, it will happen, and I'm going to step into what God is going to do. Nehemiah acted when others kind of just rubbernecked, right? Everyone knew the walls were broken down. But Nehemiah is one of the only ones who says, hey, let's go do something about it. And he knows right away he can't do it in his own strength. In that area of your life that's broken down, you cannot rebuild it in your strength. You can try, it's going to fall right back down. But in God's strength, it can be rebuilt. God can do this thing. He can give success to your hands. So, so have the humility to ask him, where do you want me to work? And then to act in faith that God has the power. 
verse 4 of Nehemiah 1. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You see, Nehemiah is turning to God. Only you can fix what's broken. Sometimes we do know where God wants us to rebuild, but it just seems so impossible. You know, you, you may know, yeah, it's my fan finances. Yeah, it's my marriage. Yeah, it's this, it's this lust addiction. It's this substance addiction. You know what it is, but it looks impossible. And, and that's okay. That's actually really great because your God is a God of the impossible. And if you will surrender to his plan, and if you will seek him about it, he will give you the strength to rebuild in ways that you could never do on your own. Nehemiah had great confidence in God's power to bless and provide. Nehemiah asked for God's success and God gave it. And that power is available to you. If you say, God, I want to rebuild my marriage. I, I want to have the marriage that you designed for me. Would you give success to me? He'll answer that prayer. If you keep praying it, if you keep walking in it, he will answer that prayer. You say, God, my finances are totally out of control. I, I know they're a reflection of my heart and I, I want them to be the way you want them to be. If you pray that from your heart, you ask him, God, give me success to get my spending under control. Give me success to, to use these resources the way you want. If you ask him that and then follow through, he will do it. He, he did it for Nehemiah. That does take a lot of follow through. It's not going to happen overnight, but he'll give you that success. I want to talk to you a little about blessing. You know, because, you know, I don't know if you're like me, when I hear God wants to bless you or blessed, you know, sometimes I think of these TV evangelists and like, you know, hey, call right now, give us money and God's going to bless you, you know. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about a very real blessing from God on your life. And, and I want to help you parse this out. Sorry if I get a little seminarian on you here, okay? Because it's really important that we know, first of all, our salvation is not something that we earn, okay? Ephesians 2 says, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, okay? So we're not talking about if you, if you get your life in line with God, he's going to save you. No, God's message is you can't get your life in line with God. You don't have the power. You're a slave to sin. So you need to get on your knees before Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to set me free from my sin. I'm placing my faith in you. I believe you rose from the dead. And just like you conquered death, you can conquer sin in my life. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. You might not use those exact words, but Romans 10, 9 says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and rose again, and if you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, you will be saved. So, so, so you simply come to him at that moment and say, God, I can't save myself. I can't work hard enough. I can't do enough. I know I'm a sinner. Will you save me? At that moment, scripture says you are adopted into the family of God. You're no longer a child of Satan. You're a child of God. You're no longer in the darkness. You're in the light. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're now a servant of righteousness like Nehemiah was. Okay, so that, being adopted into the family of God, you can't lose that. You can't get unadopted by God. You didn't earn it in the first place. You just accepted it. And once you accept it, you are stuck with it. You're stuck with eternal life in heaven, okay? Bad news, right? 
So, so that's salvation. Now, once we come to Christ, we have this option every day. Am I going to walk with Christ? Am I going to live his plan for my life? Or am I going to live the old sinful pattern that I used to be a slave to? That's a decision that we all make every day, whether we realize it or not. And it's one that none of us perfectly get right every time, okay? So don't beat yourself up. The times that we mess up and we go into the old nature and we live life the old way, don't, don't let Satan guilt you into thinking, oh, you're not good enough to be a Christian. None of us are good enough to be Christians. Um, but, and Paul talks about this in Romans 6 and 7. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. I've got this internal civil war. So if you feel like that, you're in good company. You're with the Apostle Paul. You're with me. It's a, it's a struggle every day to say, God, I, I want to live this new way. Now, now, what are we talking about when we talk about blessing? Well, obviously, the, the biggest blessing of eternal life, that's, that's secure because that's based on whose good deeds? Jesus. It's based on he, he got that blessing for us. Now in our lives, he empowers us to follow Christ. He fills us with the Holy Spirit who gives us love and joy, peace and patience, and who also gives us the ability to say no to sin. As we walk in the Spirit, we're able to walk in God's blessing practically in ways that we never could in our own strength. So with that big footnote, let me give you a picture, okay? It's like an umbrella, okay? There's this umbrella of God's blessing. And now you're his kid, you're adopted into his family. It's your choice. You have a free will still. You can decide to live under his blessing or out from under it. So for example, in your marriage, if you say, hey, I'm gonna love my wife as Christ loves the church. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, with God's help, I couldn't do it in my own strength, but with his help, I'm not gonna lust after other women. I'm not gonna look at other stuff. I'm gonna, well, you know what? God's gonna, you're gonna be under that blessing and you're gonna see the, benefits of it in your marriage. You step out from under that. Do you lose your salvation? No, but you lose the benefit in your marriage. Uh, same thing, same thing for wives. And, and so it's kind of this umbrella or, or you could uh, reverse the analogy and make it a waterfall out in the desert. Okay. There's this desert. It's so dry. You're crawling along the dirt. You're so thirsty. And there is this oasis and a waterfall pouring down. And it's your choice. Do you want to get under it or not? So our eternal blessing through Christ is sealed. Doesn't depend on what we do. But today, whether or not you want to be under practical blessing of God in your life, it is your choice. And again, his idea of what those blessings are is probably going to be a little different from what yours is. Here's the, be the best story for this. I'm just totally off my notes here. Sorry, guys. Uh, is Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells us the story of the prodigal son, right? Prodigal son runs away from home. He says, Dad, uh, you're better off to me, Dad. I just want my inheritance. And he goes to like the ancient equivalent of Las Vegas, right? Blows his inheritance, you know? Women, wine, partying, gambling, whatever. He blows it all. He's broke. He's homeless. He ends up living. He, he's sleeping with the pigs at a farm. It's the only job that he can get. Does his father disown him for running away? No. His father still loves him and is waiting for him to come back home. And when he comes back home, what happens? Well, there's still consequences for those choices. There's no more inheritance to give him. It's gone. But 
his dad's still there and says, hey, let's put a robe on him. He looks like he's homeless. Let's, let's uh, get some food for him. He looks like he's starving. Let's have a party. My son is home. And for the rest of the prodigal life's son's life, he can live at home under his dad's blessing, right? What does that mean? Well, he's, he's under his dad's protection. He's in, in warm relationship. He's secure. And he's, and he's fed. So, so we have this choice. You are God's son. You are God's daughter if you've placed your faith in him. But only you can decide, am I going to run? Am I going to keep running, living for myself? Or, or am I every day going to say, God, I want to be as close to you as I can. I want to be right in the center of your will and the center of your blessing. And, and we do that by saying, I'm going to seek first your kingdom. I, I want to walk with you. I want to live for you. So step number one, we realize, we ask God to show us what's broken. Step number two, repent. Repent. The way up is down. Down through humility. We see Nehemiah do this in verses six and seven. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, have committed. So he has this humble repentance. God, I acknowledge we're not living life your way, and that's why the walls are broken down, and we want to return to you. We want to live life your way. Your outline puts it this way. Admit where things have not been done God's way and humble yourself before him. You might jot down these references. I maybe put them on your outline. James 4, verse 6, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You need God's help. You need God's grace. You need God's strength. Lower your pride. Get on your knees before him. He gives grace to the humble. First Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that in due time he might lift you up. The way up is down. So we realize what's broken down. We repent of God. I've been doing things my way in this area of my life. And, and Lord, I, I, I'm turning from that. Will you, will you forgive me for that? Will you help me do things your way? Step three, we remember God's plan, his promises, and his credit score. Remember God's plan, his promises, and his credit score. What's a credit score? It's, it's a number that communicates, here's how reliable this person is. Here's how trustworthy this person is. A, a lender looks at your credit score and, and, and they know this is an aggregation of, of every auto loan you've had, every credit card you've had, uh, every mortgage, every home equity loan, a, any kind of debt that you had, that number tells them, here's how reliable this person is to pay off their debt. Here's how reliable this person is to keep their word. And sometimes we got to remind ourselves that God has a perfect credit score, right? He has never made a promise that he's broken. He's never said, oh, I'll take care of that and not. In fact, not only does he take care of everything he promises, but he comes along to people like me who had a debt I could not pay of sin that was sending me to hell. And he says at the cross, I'll pay that 
for you. This is our God. He's faithful. He's generous. He provides. And so when we realize what's broken down and then we repent, we say, God, I want to do things your way. The next step is we remember, we remind ourselves, this is a good God. This is a trustworthy God. Nehemiah says this in verse five. He says, oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. I love that. He keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Again, in verses 8 through 11, Nehemiah is going to remind himself of God's faithfulness. And you see this all throughout scripture. If you read the Psalms, if you don't read the Psalms, if you're not sure where to start reading in your Bible, Psalms are an awesome place. Uh, And in the Psalms, David and the other psalmists, they'll look back and they'll say, God, I remember when you got us through the Red Sea. God, I remember when I was surrounded by my enemies and I thought I was going to die and you upheld me. God, I remember you're my rock, you're my high tower. And this is, this is so, this is like a spiritual discipline to remind yourself God has taken care of you. In fact, maybe this afternoon it'd be a good thing for you to get out a journal and just start writing out. Remember the ways God has been faithful. Remember the ways he's protected. Remember the ways he's provided. If you, if you have a family or a spouse, you could do that over lunch. You could start telling the stories. Your kids need to know. Uh, and by the way, parents, a little footnote for you here. Um, as you're rebuilding, be honest with your kids about it, okay? Uh, there's a lot of research out there about how many kids walk away from the church and everything. One of the main things of kids who stay in the church is they see God's power in their parents' lives. So let your kids see, hey, uh, just so you guys know, mom and dad are, are working through some stuff. And honestly, I don't know if we could get through it on our own, but God's here. Jesus is here and he's holding us together. And and let your kids pray with you and let them see God's power in action. That part was, that was just a free bonus there. So here's the last point on your outline. Commit to live God's plan instead of yours. That's where the blessing is. That's where the waterfall is. And God's blessing is always flowing out. It's there, whether you have the flu or you're in the hospital or you're tired or you're grumpy. His blessing is just surging out of heaven. And it's just our choice every day. Am I going to step into his blessing? Or am I going to live life my own way and essentially miss out? You know, be a, be, be a prodigal. God wants to rebuild in your life. He loves you more than you love you. He loves you more than your mama loves you. He loves your kids more than you love your kids. He loves your spouse more than you love your spouse. And he wants to rebuild. The question for you today is, will you realize what's broken? Will you repent? Will you return to God, remember his faithfulness, and then just commit? God, I do want your plan for my life rather than my own. Um, Would you stand and let's pray together? Right now, with our eyes closed as we pray, I I, want to kind of take your hand spiritually and I want to walk you through what Nehemiah has done here in chapter 1. And and so, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I just thank you that you have a one-on-one relationship with every one of us in this room. And and Lord, thank you that we can call out to you as our Heavenly Father. And and Lord, first and foremost, I want to give the opportunity for anyone who's standing here who doesn't know 
with certainty that they are your child, that they're adopted into the family of God, that they've been washed by the blood of the lamb, that they're set free from sin. If anyone doesn't know that, that Lord, right now they can call out to you and they can say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And Jesus, I want you to be the boss in my life. I want you to be in charge of my life. I want to turn away from that old life, and I want to follow you in a new life. Lord, would you save me? Would you redeem me? And, and Lord, if, if people are praying that right now, we know that the angels are, are celebrating in heaven, that you celebrate when a lost son or daughter comes home to you spiritually. Father, for those of us who have prayed that just now or even years ago, Lord, we, we live a life of, of great confidence that there's no condemnation for us, that we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. But Lord, you know, and we know, that we sometimes wander. That's why you call us sheep. And, and Lord, so right now, we, we want you to show us, we want to realize where things are broken down. Holy Spirit, would you walk the corridors of our hearts? Lord, show us where, where our relationship with you has broken down where our commitment to your work has broken down, where our finances have broken down, where our marriage has broken down. Uh, Lord, like Nehemiah, when we see these things, it's daunting. It seems impossible. It seems overwhelming. But like Nehemiah, we come to you, Lord, and, we, and on our faces before you, we say, God, we need you to help us rebuild these things. And Lord, we ask that you rebuild every area in these lives in this room. We ask it with great confidence, knowing that you want to help. You have great plans for our lives. And Lord, we want to surrender to those plans. So Lord, we show us those things. And then Lord, we right now we repent where we've been doing things our way. We've been trying to control the situation. Lord, whatever that area is, lust, greed, pride, bitterness, unforgiveness against a spouse, Whatever that area is, Lord, we repent. We turn away from ourselves and we turn to you. Like that prodigal son running home, Lord, we want to come back to your blessing. Would you feed us? Would you clothe us? Not only for eternity in Christ, but right here, right now. If, if you're praying that, God promises you this in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Uh, he says, in Christ you have everything necessary for life and godliness. He's going to give you the strength to turn from those old ways and to turn to him. And, and Lord, finally, we just remember that you are good. We remember that you are faithful. We remember that you always keep your promises. We remember that you love your people. We remember that nothing can separate us from your love. And, and Lord, we we claim your goodness for our weakness, your strength for our insufficiency. Lord, rebuilding these walls is going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. So would you help us to commit that we're going to live out your plan today, but also tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. We are your people called by your name, Lord. We want to follow you. We want to be in intimate relationship with you under your complete blessing. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www 
PrescottCornerstone.com. 